2: Okay. Hi, guys. My name is Russell Spatz, and I'm an alcoholic. Right. Alcoholic. And a lot of other things. But I uh, haven't found necessary to have a drink since January 25th, 1981. So I'm in my 41st year. And uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about something. We'll figure this out as we go along. Don't put any pressure on me now. I I, I think I spoke last week about, well... It was supposed to be about the ninth step. I don't know whether it was or not. I think I mentioned the ninth step at one point. And uh, even though it was the eighth talk, I've been told that I... So today I'm going to probably talk about the tenth step. <clears throat> and this is all my opinion, you understand. It's, uh, I believe I'm right, though. You, know? <laughs> you don't have to follow it. And, uh, but it is my opinion. So you don't get, you don't have to get upset. No, get upset if you want to. Not really. You're an alcoholic. You're entitled to get upset. And, uh, yeah. Alcoholics have a nervous disposition. They're like sensitive. They get touchy. I've been getting away with all sorts of bullshit. You can't imagine the shit I've been getting away with for 25 years. I've been doing these step series for like 25, 30 years. How many of you guys know Stevie B? Anybody know Stevie B? I sponsor Stevie. Stevie tells a story. It's part of his story. He's a a great speaker. He's a great teacher, too. He's got about, I don't know, 20, 22 years, 25 years. He's got 20 this month. He's a good guy. Good guy. If you ever have a chance to listen to him. So he tells a story. I first met Stevie. The reason I'm thinking about this, in this group, 20 years ago, I was doing a step series in this group 20 years ago. I think I've done a step series in this group every year for 20 years. They apparently either forget what the hell I'm talking about or that they haven't learned their lesson. I don't know what the story is. And this group and the boat group and 12-step houses. And uh, so Stevie tells this story. This is Stevie's story. I was there when it happened, but uh, that uh, he was sitting, I think, somewhere over there. And I started doing the step series and I opened up the Bible. And he was sitting with his father. Because I do shit like that. I talk about Christ and I open up the Bible. I do crap just to see who gets pissed off. Because that's how I can tell whether somebody's really sober or not. The way I can tell whether somebody's sober is what gets them pissed off. You know what I mean? Because if shit like that gets you pissed off, you but. uh Anyway, so so I, I I hope the Bible. I, I think I was. Hope, you know what it was? It was the part. The part because the big book is all about the Bible. I mean, I don't want to bust your buttons, but they are because I've been around here for over forty years, and I've read all the material, and I've gone through all the bullshit. We talked. You know, Bill Wilson said, in outbox number three. The Lord has been so wonderful to me, curing me of this terrible disease. I got to keep talking about it and telling telling other people." You know, chapter the agnostic says if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life would have helped us, we've been sober a long time ago. But that's, uh, those codes don't help us. We can wish to be sober. They don't help us. So we read a book we wrote because we're, we don't have the power to do this stuff. No matter how bright we are, we don't have the power. So we wrote a book where, of course, we have to talk about God. And then it says this. As soon as they say that, say, here's where we run into trouble because alcoholics get pissed off when they say alcoholics get pissed off, I want you to read between the lines. Sick alcoholics get pissed off. Arrogant, stubborn. Alcoholics get pissed off. Bill Wilson didn't get pissed off. Dr. Bob didn't get pissed off. When Dr. Bob said, if you're an atheist or an agnostic, or have some sort of intellectual pride that keeps you from understanding what we're trying to tell you in this book, I feel sorry for you. Heavenly Father will never let you down. Dr. Bob didn't get off. The founders of Alcoholics Anonymous for the first four years, they wrote the big book in 1939. A was started in 1935. They said, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Thoroughly followed our path. That's in, you do what we did, you'll get what we got. They started in 35. They wrote the big book in 39. They were not reading the big book. You understand that, don't you? A started in 35. Four years later, in 39, they said, rarely have seen Durston Phil who has thoroughly followed our path. In 35, 36, 37, 38, and 39, they were not reading the big book. Does everybody understand that? So, what were they reading? So, Dr. Bob, and the good old timers say, the books we found absolutely essential. You know what the word essential means? I don't know what it means, but I think it means essential. I have no idea. We'd have to look it up. I think it means essential.
1: <laughs>
2: you know? So I'm, it's a wild guess. You know, I'm an attorney. I'm a worrisome. I think it means essential. And I think absolutely essential means real fucking essential. You know what I mean? Really essential. And the books they say that were absolutely essential were 1 Corinthians 13. The Book of James and Sermon on the Mount. And 1 Corinthians 13 was written by the Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 books out of the Bible. And, of course, you can go all through the big books. Of course, if you don't know the Bible and you haven't studied the Bible. and you, By the way, I wanted to let you know you don't have to study the Bible. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to do any of this shit. I mean, you don't have to thoroughly follow their path. Don't worry about it. Just do whatever the hell you want to do, it, you know. But uh, but it says um, the bottom line is, is that if you read the book, book they're constantly, if you happen to have studied the Bible, know it, you will notice that the big book is just a restatement. It's like the Bible for dummies. Listen, you're entitled, to your own, you're entitled to your own opinion, you're just not entitled to your own facts. When they say in the big book, you've got to be the good Samaritan every day, and you're saying, well, why do you have to be a good Arab? You know what I mean? And, you know, it's a capital G, capital S, you know. They're referring to uh, a story in the book of Luke. And uh, good deed, kindly uh, act once in a while is enough. They're referring to the book of Luke. And they go through all that because they were reading the book, book of, Luke, book, of Luke, book of Luke, Book of Luke, Book of Luke at that time. So what happened to me is now I didn't get involved in any of this stuff. I'm a Jewish kid from New York. And in December 25th, 1980, this is my story. A lot of you guys heard this. I got to a point where I just ruined my life, ruined my life. I'm not going go into the details, but, you know, ruined my life through, through drinking and being basically an asshole because I don't need alcohol to be an asshole. Trust me. Most of the people I fucked over in my life, I did a cold stone sober. By making decisions based upon self, which put me in a position of the earth. Because I'm self-holding and riot. You know, it says, above everything, we must get rid of this alcohol, this selfishness we must or it kills us. God makes that possible. I was a selfish, self-centered prick. That's what I was. and That's what I am. See, one of the great things about staying sober for 41 years is there's no... 40 years and being my 41st year is I have no longer any pretense that I'm basically a nice boy. My grandmother used to tell me you're basically a nice boy, whatever the hell that means. I love my grandkids, but the truth is I wasn't a nice guy. I wanted what I want when I wanted. You know what I mean? Never was sorry for anything I did. If I tell you I'm sorry, what I really mean is you better forgive me. You know, because if you don't forgive me, I'm going to say, well, I said I was sorry. What the hell is wrong with you? Because you're supposed to say, well, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I don't care that you raped my wife and shot my dog. You know, it's okay." You know, and I didn't listen. I was, uh, you know, all I wanted was I was a guy who was roaming through the bars, a lounge lizard, looking at every female I could find. I wanted what she had. I was willing to go to any length to get it. And uh, everything was wonderful for me as long as I got my own way. You know, it's as simple as that. My sponsor said to me one day, he said, well, he said how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. He says, you must be getting your own way. And I was. And an hour later, I wasn't. I was pissed off, you know. And uh, I'm selfish and I'm self-centered. And I don't and have a clue. When you're drinking, when you're drinking, when you're an active alcohol, I don't think active alcoholics have a clue as to how screwed up they are. Not a clue. Not a clue as to how screwed up they are. <clears throat> They basically, I think, active alcoholics basically think the world is screwed up. Everybody's an asshole. Everybody's full of shit. They, they don't know they're screwed. It's your screwed up. You know. You know our spiritual axiom: whenever you're disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong with you. My spiritual axiom: whenever I'm disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong with me. When, when my spiritual axiom is: whenever I'm disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong with you, and you, and you, and if only, I mean, if only a, a yes mother, if only my wife would be okay, if only this would happen. If only other people would change. If only, if only, if only I'd be okay. And and I hurt a lot of people. Got married to a wonderful gal. The, you know, she kicked me out after five years because I cause I kept on leaving her and going out and drinking and looking for women. You know, I didn't cheat on her. I didn't have the guts to do that. I just stayed up till four o'clock in the morning and looking at women, saying, if only I had that one, I'd be okay. If only I had this one, I'd be okay. You know, that's the deal. So. So the bottom line is, but then I come into AA, and this is, I just base this upon my experience. This is my personal experience. Now I've come to real, I've come to learn, one of the, it says, unless until an alcoholic accepts his alcoholism and all its consequences, is sobriety to be precarious and true happiness to find none at all. And there are many, there's, there are consequences to being an alcoholic. Now, the drinking is not even, the drinking's bullshit, it's not even a big deal. You know, I don't even know how to help somebody who's got a drinking problem, until they want help. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, I could tell my story, but I tell people my story. You know, if somebody's ready to do this, if they become entirely ready to give up alcohol, you could belch and they'll come into alcohol. It's anonymous. If they're not ready to come in here, you could tell them your story. You could bring 15 people and the penguin in and they're walking out the door. You know, it's as simple as that. You know, I don't, I don't have the power to stop somebody from drinking. There is one who has all power. That one is God. You know, he's, it, it's not like he's got like 90% and he gave me 10. I don't have, you know, people call me out and says, could you talk to my husband? I said, well, have him call me. He says, oh, he's not going to call you. I can't help him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi, yeah, I'm Russell. I hear you got a drinking problem. My wife asked me to call you. Yeah, thank you. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you
1: know, I'm, not, I'm
2: not into that deal, you know? So the bottom line is this. And uh, so... So alcoholics are so you know it's it's it, it, it all it's all an inside job. So I can't you know all I can do is talk about my experience. And one of the old ideas I have, one of the, the drinking is the least because the drinking is a symptom. It says in the book it basically separates the drinking out from alcoholism. I mean we, we think alcohol is a problem because they talk so much about it in AA. Don't drink if your ass falls off, you know. And after all. The name of the organization is Alcoholics Anonymous, so you figure it must have something to do with it, right? But what the Big Book clearly says is our real problem is centers on our mind, not our body. Alcohol is but a symptom. Disease. We got a lot of symptoms. We got a lot of consequences. One of the consequences is hating people, hating yourself. Carl Manager you said, "Alcoholics, are men and women, are out to destroy themselves." You just, you know, that's why when that's why you're sober and you still. You know, do the feel, you know, you're still driving your car and all of a sudden you hear this voice, you're an asshole, I'm an asshole, I ought to kill myself. I'm such a fucking loser. I'm such a prick. What's the use? You know, that's why you turn around and see you saying that shit to you, you're the only one in the car. That's you talking to, that's you talking to you about what you really think about yourself. And that voice doesn't come from Mars, that's from deep down inside of you and it's constantly going That's why you always have to have a girl, a car, money, this, that, and the other thing, because you know you're a piece of shit. Unless you have something to brag about or show about, you're constantly trying to prove yourself to other people and prove yourself to yourself that you're not an asshole. But it's not work because you basically think you are. You know, that's just the consequence of being an alcoholic. There's nothing to get disturbed with that. There's a lot of consequences of being an alcoholic. You don't like people telling you what to do. I mean, there's so many consequences, there's so many unhealthy consequences. Lusting for everything in the world, actually believing that all this shit you've been chasing after is going to make you okay. You're doing it, you know, and then you get it and then you hate it and you lose it. It's just restless, irritable, a nervous disposition. I said, to My sponsor, I said, him, I'm sensitive. He says, No, a great artists are sensitive. You're just touchy. You know, and <laughs> it's just true. Alcoholics are touchy. So, in any event, so here I, I, I come into Alcoholics Anonymous, and one of my old ideas is that I'm different. I'm, like, unique. I mean, you got alcoholism, but you don't understand. I'm, I got alcoholism. I'm, I'm, like, unique. You can, nobody can possibly understand me, which is a great th- thing to tell yourself, because then you can't connect with anybody. And what's the use to talking? You're all alone. You get to feel lonely and sorry for yourself and uh, self-pity and all that sort of stuff. And then you come day, you hear all these people talking and everything like that, and you realize that, hey, I did that. I did that. As a matter of fact, that's, uh, that's how we get our stories. That's how we learn about ourselves because you can't go up to an alcoholic and start talking to him because he's so well defended, you know, you know, it's just like, I, you know, somebody would talk to me about my drinking. You know, I told you, he'd come up and he'd say, I think you have a drinking problem. He says, I can see from where you're standing. If I want to be nice, I'd say, I can see from where you're standing. You think I have a drinking problem, but I don't have a drinking problem. I drink because I have problems. As a matter of fact, my drinking matches my problem. And pretty soon my drink, my problems are going to go away and I won't have to drink anymore so I appreciate your advice. But why don't you go fuck yourself? You know what I mean? And, you know, that's pretty much, you know, what I'm going to tell you. if You're going to come to me and talk. You're going to talk to me about my drink, and I'm going to talk about everything I know about you and your mother. You know, that's the bottom of the... <laughs> What are you laughing at? You know, it's like. But, you know, one of the things I, one of the consequences you think nobody understands. Then you come in here, and that's how we learn about ourselves. You know, some guy stands at a meeting, starts cheering, and says some sort of goofy thing about himself. And you say in your mind, you say in your mind, you, you know, he can't tell you, you can't say, you know, you're a net. You, you say in your mind, that guy is fucking crazy. And you say, holy shit, I was thinking about last week. You know what I mean? That's how you learn about yourself. I did that. I did that. And then you, all of a sudden you get all these stories about yourself and start learning about yourself and what the deal is. So, uh, and, uh, but, but what I think happens, so, so now I know, and this is, I, I, this, I'm just going to give you a little secret. I'm going to tell you a secret, an AA secret. You probably figured it out, but I'm going to just say it right out so everybody knows about it. You know, I speak at conventions, you know, like that. You go to a convention, speak a couple thousand. I speak at convention. You know, people say do you get nervous? I say no, I don't. I never get nervous. I probably did one time. I don't get nervous. And I'll tell you how not to get nervous. I said, "What I've, dis- I've discovered the secret, an old idea that I had to get rid of. We're all twins." Yeah. We're all exactly alike. That's why this fucking thing works. You know what I mean? Even the ones that don't think they're like me are fucking exactly like me. <laughs> whatever I say, whatever I do, it's like we're all, we're fat, we're thin, we're white, we're black. It don't matter. Women, come up me, sis. You're talking about me. Men, come up. You're talking about me. You're talking about No, I'm just talking about me. You want to go to? go You want to do a good a talk, just don't, but I don't care what that was, you know. I was thinking about eating dead babies the other day. Five guys come up and say, you know, I think that fucking <laughs> shit too. I think that shit too, you know. You know, they come up. <laughs> just tell them what's on your mind. What do you, just say shit, you know what I mean? Even if they don't think it, they'll just have a laugh about it. So they're thinking other crazy shit, you know, and uh, just say whatever's on your mind. you say what's on your mind and it's sick and it's crazy that talk they'll talk they'll realize that you're just like them you talk about what's on your mind as you get sober and you get well they'll say man i wish i could be like him just just don't fucking lie just be transparent how can an alcoholic be transparent though when you don't know what the fuck you are doing or who you are or what your purpose is on the planet earth you got no clue. You're like an unguided missile running around following your penis or your vagina or whatever it is, it's all, all over the place. It's all about the women and the men and the sick. You go to an AA, meeting, an AA meeting where God is all over the place, where they see you in your relationship with him is right, and great events will come past you and talk to this others. We're on a new basis, based basis of trust and relying upon God. We never apologize for God. Never. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We let him demonstrate in our lives what he could do for us. He says, well, we, but we won't meet you. We cannot be sure. God will determine that. So your real reliance has to be on God. He will even show you how to create the fellowship you crave. Let no man say job and no job. And yet he's sober if he trusts in God. God, 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 all over the place. And they say, can we have a, a I'd like to have on relationships. And they start talking about fucking boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> You got the sickest, you know, this ain't exactly Well People's
1: Anonymous.
2: (laughs) The whole book is about God. It's all about the Bible. It's all through it and everything. It's all about the, the, this is the step that separates the men from the boys. Very few boys, very few men, whole bunch of fucking boys. You know what separates the men from the boys? You know what they say it is? The man who's trying Repeatedly. Throughout his entire life, it'll take a lifetime to grow in the image and likeness of God. That's the difference. People who are worshiping God, following God, loving God. You know what it says in the book? It says if you sincerely give yourself to God, utterly abandon yourself to God, all sorts of remarkable things happen. Nothing remarkable is going to happen to you. You may stay sober for a little while, a year, 10 years, 15 years. You're going to drink again or be miserable. Nothing remarkable is going to happen. You're not going to be rocketed in the fourth dimension of existence. You're not going to experience much of heaven. You're not going to lose fear of people and not insecurity. You'll never lose fear of people. You'll always worry about what you're saying today means. You'll never talk about God. You'll never proclaim God. You'll never do this shit because you'll be more worried about some goof who's sitting next to you that doesn't pay your fucking visa bill than what he thinks about you than being concerned with, your creator. The man lose all prejudice, even against organized religion. In the big book, where they knew people were going to be pissed on, them, they said, we we encourage church membership. Why did they put that in the big book? Why did they say in the big book, we encourage church membership? You know why? Because that's what they did. The founders, all except for a couple of them, they all belonged. They said many, of, most of us do that stuff because that's what they did. And so they said it. Because there's always this little alcoholic battle if you, because one of the consequences of being an alcoholic, if you're an alcoholic, you're a please love me holic. Don't talk behind my back, alcoholic. Don't make fun of me, a holic. Because there's nothing that a that a sick personality that feels shitty about itself and feels that it's unworthy. There's nothing that a sick, unworthy, shallow personality hates more than anything else then being treated like they're condescending or they're sick or rolling their eyes at them. So you spend your entire life trying to get people to like you and making sure you don't say anything that might, might but they, that might, that where they might not like you or may not look at you. What a shitty way. I lived that way for many years. I lived that way for 10 years, 15 years after coming to AA. Eh? What a shitty way to live. What bondage. You know, the first step of getting out of jail, you got no jail in the first place most people even don't don't even know they have that problem. You know why I can talk about this shit like this? Because I can talk about this shit like this. Because <laughs> I don't really give a shit what you think about me. I know we always say I don't give a shit what they think about me. I know if you're alcoholic you say that all the time, but you know why you say it? You say it because you care so much about what other people think about you. <laughs> I mean, alcoholics You know, when people start saying, I don't give a shit what they think about me that way. I don't give a shit what they think about me. But there's people that really don't give a shit what people think about them. Don't say to themselves, I don't give a shit what they think about me. They say, pass the sugar or something. don't say that shit. So you got your choice. You can live a life of fear. You can live a life of hope. You can live a life, you know, where you're free of all this shit. And you don't worry about what other people think about. You just worry about being who you are. And that's kind of tough when you don't even know who you are. Yeah, well, clueless, right? I was told that by the time you reach 25, you don't know who you are or why you're on the planet. You're going to be, to a certain extent, neurotic. Most alcoholics are neurotic. I was one neurotic son of a bitch. I can tell you that. I didn't have a clue. So the bottom line is, is that, so this whole thing is about, so I was 20 years, old, we started off this deal, you know, I've sort of slightly seen, I'm, I'm 72 years old. It's over we're kind of a little, you know, so I forget sometimes where I'm going, but, so 20 years ago I was here, and um, Stevie B was here, and I sponsor him, and he's, uh, he, uh, you know what the big book says, what does the big book says? If you want to be rocked from the fourth dimension, the great fact is this, nothing less than this, nothing less than this, God has to become the central fact of your life, the central fact of your life. As a matter of fact, you can not even say you believe in God, and your belief is barren if your whole life isn't based upon God. You know, most people in AA, they have even if they believe in God, he's he's in the trunk with the spare tire. He's in the trunk with the spare tire. That's where God is. He's in the trunk with the spare tire. You know, if something terrible comes, you you know, you take it out. You know, you, you take him out of the trunk. You know, you know, you don't talk about him that much because you don't want people to be upset with you. And somebody gave you some sort of bullshit in AA. They told you that you'd scare away the newcomer. Nobody who's ready to stop drinking is gonna be scared away from AA. Nobody who wants to stop drinking, it's clearly taking the first step, is gonna be God isn't gonna scare anybody away. I can yell Jesus all over the place. Nobody's gonna be scared away that wants to stop drinking. They were probably they could have said all sorts of shit. No, I wasn't going anywhere. I didn't want to drink. This was the only I had no other place that, where they that's okay, they can leave. You know what? The booze will bring them back or they'll die. It ain't no big deal. We're alcoholics, we're about as common as dirt. You know what I mean? We don't die. We kill families of four. We do head-on collisions. Family of fours die. We walk away with like a bruise. We're like cockroaches, you know, after these <laughs> nuclear attacks, they'll be us and cockroaches. Don't worry about scaring away anybody. That's bullshit. It's some sort of bullshit. That's just so much bullshit goes on in here. Because you know why the bullshit goes on? You know why they t- you know why the big book talks all about God and the 12 and 12 talks all about God? and Doctor Bob, the good old times talks all about god and you know why people in here who have 5 10 15 years say don't worry about the god thing forget the god thing don't you know why they do that cuz they don't want to do it so you decide whether you want to be the man of the boys or whether you want to do this shit seriously or you just want to you know do aa light and play games with this shit and be one of these guys that have 5 t- you know the you know one of the things i've learned in here You know how many people I've seen in the last 40 years that go out and drink again after three months, after three years, after five years, after 10 years, after 20 years, after 30. You know how many people I've seen? They did a study once. I wish I would have kept this because I had it. And I don't know whether this is true or not. They said, how many people stay sober for 20 years straight? One and a half of 1%. One in 200. Stay sober for more than 20 years. And of those, they're not all happy. You know, it's at the Big book here and then, once in a while, an alcohol drive moment says, feel better, look better, have a better time. We know he's not happy with his sobriety. He'll the time they have tried the old game. You know, most people, game again, again, you know, most people I sponsor are in their 20s or 30s. They, I get calls from people, I, uh, you know, to ask me to sponsor them. They're like 25 years sober and they hear my shit and they say, I'm not happy. I'm having problems. They can't talk to anybody in the groups. They can't talk to other people. They got 25, 30 years. They're old timers and they're they're missing something. They're missing God. And they can't get them in the rooms. They can't talk to anybody in the rooms because the rooms ain't talking about them.
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals. And the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously.
2: Because everybody in the room is scared to talk about them. You know? And, uh, and that's the deal. That's, that's, so what does this have to do with the 10th step? Because I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to fill you in on that. Because one of the things that happens is that you, you know, Well, The other thing that happens is after you come to AA and you stop drinking, because you think drinking is the problem. You think drinking is the problem. Now you stop drinking. Now in this group, it seems to me that most of you guys are physically sober. You drink because you're fucking nuts. That's why you have the second step restore you to sanity because you're insane. You drink because you hate life. Men and women drink because they like the effect produced by alcohol. They're restless, cerebral, discontented. You're fucking crazy and you can't stand sobriety. If you like sobriety, you wouldn't drink. You drink because you hate sobriety. So now you have to, and, and you, you, before you took your first drink, you were fucking nuts. Then you drank. And you didn't feel so nuts. And then you went around and found a lot of other people who are as nuts as you that drank like you. And you hung out with them. And your alcohol life life seems the only normal one. You can't separate the truth from the false. And all of a sudden you feel good for a little while. And then you go fucking nuts again because of the drinking. You think you're a a drinking problem. You think you're an alcoholic. You come in here and you stop drinking, right? So now you stop drinking. Now you're not drinking. Now you're just nuts. (laughs) Now you're back to insanity again without the booze. So after, and everybody's different. It may take a month or two or three or four. But unless you're schizophrenic or brain dead after three, four, five, or six months, you come to this conclusion. I'm fucking crazy. You realize you're crazy. Now you got a real problem. Because in A meetings, all they're talking about is drinking and they're talking about not drinking, and you're not drinking, and your problem is you're crazy. And the real problem is you're crazy, and you don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. You have no idea why you're crazy. You just know you're not feeling good. You're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, and that's like the first hour, you know what I mean? And you're all over the place, and you're trying to figure out what the hell's wrong, and they're telling to do steps and do shit that you don't understand what you're supposed to be doing, and every once in a while they mention God, you don't understand that, and it's confusing. And as time goes on, the first 10 years, I'll say the first 10 years, let's say. Let's say if, if, if you're fortunate or lucky or blessed, you might run into a sponsor or an older member of Alcoholics Anonymous who knows what the hell he's talking about, and you may start following him. Because that's what you start following him. And you may start doing something really strange if you want to stop drinking, which is what I did, which is crazy because I'm like every other alcoholic, I'm a defiant, arrogant asshole that thinks he's smart. Graduate right, departmental honors in mathematics, going for my algebra. My PhD in algebraic topology was a law professor the whole bit, you know, and and I think I'm smart, but I was beaten down so bad by alcohol that I didn't want to drink again and I was scared. So I followed around this used car salesman who told me to shut up and uh, I told him, here's all my degrees. And he looked at me and said, well, rectal thermometers have degrees, you know what they do with those. And and so I just followed this guy around and he told me, do this and do that. And I started following directions, following directions, even though I didn't. Make the coffee. I made the coffee. I don't even know why that has to do with not drinking, but I started making the coffee. You understand? So you do that stuff. You make the coffee. And what happens is, as you go along, like it says in the big book, the way we get a new perspective is by repeated humiliations and the final question about self-sufficiency. And every day you get crushed and crushed and crushed and crushed and crushed. And the way you learn and the first 10, 15 years, you're just learning how crazy you are. Because now you're sober physically. You can sort of like think. And now, and it's not like one of these, every once in a while you'll have an epiphany. You'll realize something. You'll hear somebody in the group. You'll come to a conclusion. You'll read something about yourself. But it's like a slow, freaking cry. I mean, Jesus, it's not like drinking. Drinking, you have a couple of shots and you're like Brad Pitt, you know what I mean? Hey, hey, you might have to go to A means for five years to get like one idea as to how fucked up you are. You know what I mean? And say, yeah, I have to go 2,000 meetings, you know what I mean, to figure this thing out. Right? You see, that's the deal. So, but the point is, as time goes on, you learn more and more about what? About yourself. You learn about more and more about yourself and who you are and what yourself. But all of a sudden, the mystery of these steps, the mystery of, of faith, the mystery of God, the mystery of this, that, and the other thing, You stop, hopefully you stop. I mean, at first you try to use your brain, which is bad. (laughs) Whenever I've dealt with anybody who's got big problems, they always start off by this. You know, I was thinking. (laughs) I said, wait, whoa. He says, no, I was, I said, what'd you say? He says, well, I was thinking. I said, let me guess. You're going to tell me something real bad. He says, yeah, well, I was thinking about it. I said, hey, who told you you could think? (laughs) <laughs> then we start talking about the thinking thing. I said, now listen, I got 40 years. You got like three months. Whose brain would you like to use on this? They think for a second. They say, I'd like to use yours. I said, that's good. Let's do that, okay? <laughs> and then we talk for a little while, and they they learn a little something. And I say, but you know what I was thinking? I said, whoa, whoa, because I don't want to get them to talk because – this disease might be fucking contagious. (laughs) I might go go backwards, you know what I mean? What if I catch him? What if I start listening to him? What if I start listening to him and all of a sudden I start thinking, you know, like he thinks. I don't want that shit to happen, you know what I mean? I don't want that crap to happen. So that's the deal. So so here's what what happens. So so you're using your brain, you're doing all that stuff, you're goofy as hell, And you're trying to figure this out. And as time goes on, you learn slowly and slowly and slowly a little bit more about yourself and who you are and what your problems are. And hopefully, and you do get better. Hopefully you get better. But the truth is, some people just drink again. They don't really get this thing. And so you say to yourself, you try to say to yourself, why is it that some people, and and there's a lot of people, let me tell you something, they get 10, 15 years and they're not happy I mean, why does a person who goes to AA meetings for 10 years, or 15 years, or 20 years? Well, thank you. Why does a person who goes to AA meetings for 10 years, or 15 years, or 20 years, pick up a drink again? You know, right before they pick up that drink, they've heard everything you've heard, they've read everything in the book, right before they pick up that drink, they're sober. you understand? Right before, whenever you hear a person Say, I had three months and then I drank. Whenever you hear a person say, "Well, I've been around Dave for 24 years, I got 90 days now." Whenever you hear a person say, "I had five years and then I drank, seven years and then I drank, 10 years because I drank," every one of those people, right before they drank, they were physically sober. They're not drinking because they have a craving. It's not like they had a craving; they got they're drinking because they're crazy. (laughs) They're insane. They've heard everything you've heard. you know what I mean? Now, you can say the old day line, it says, well, I stopped going to meetings. It's, oh, stop stopped going to meetings. That's why. But here's the deal. Why did they stop going to meetings? You're sitting there and you're saying, well, I got this thing down. I will never stop going to meetings. But you, you don't realize that those same guys that drank again, at one time we're sitting where we saying, they're saying, I ain't never going to stop going to meetings. And yet they stopped and they're going to, why did they, you got to get into why they stopped going to meetings. Why does a person with 20 years stop going to meetings? Stop doing this stuff. It may be a little bit deeper than that. You know, may not be as logical. Maybe, you know, when, when Dr. Bob said, you have some sort of intellectual pride that keeps you from this intellectual pride that'll keep you from understanding that is when you think that when you believe only the shit that makes sense to you, you understand Why do I have to make coffee? When you do stuff that makes sense to you, but you don't do stuff that doesn't make sense to you. When you read stuff in the big book that makes sense to you and discard stuff that doesn't make sense to you. So you read, we encourage church membership. We all did that, you know, and you discard that because it doesn't make sense to you. So you don't do it. You take it's extra credit. You read stuff that says half measures avail you nothing. God either is everything or he's nothing. You understand what I'm saying? Make God the same piece of your life. And you read that, but you discard it because it doesn't make sense to you. Because what makes sense to you is you got to get the money and the girl and the car, whatever it is that makes sense. So you don't do it. And you ultimately realize, or you may never realize, but people ultimately realize is the stuff that keeps you sober. The stuff that changes you from the insane person to the same person. Is the stuff that doesn't make sense to you. And when you start doing the stuff that doesn't make sense to you, instead of just doing the stuff you make sense to you, you might have a shot of staying around for 40 years and be rocket in the fourth dimension of existence. Now don't worry about whether that makes sense to you or not. I'm just just trust me on this. That's what I found out. That my life today is not based on logic or what makes sense to me or stuff like that. It's based upon my faith in God, which isn't taught, it's caught. You either get it or you don't, you know? I mean, I don't know how to give it to you. All I can do is tell my test. So what does that have to do with the 10th step? Well, in order to understand what that has to do with the 10th step, you got to understand something about the 6th step, which is what I started talking about. So... Stevie B is sitting there, and I'm going back to Steve. Twenty years ago, and I started, and I opened up the Bible because I was reading. Uh, I was reading that part. I, was, I guess I was on the twelfth step, where it says, "A comedy act once in a while. We must be the Good Samaritan every day." So, what is the Good Samaritan? I said it's from the Book of Luke. Most people here will never read it. I open it up. I read about the Good Samaritan. I'm not going to read it to you or anything like that. So, I read about the Good Samaritan. So, it's probably the first time that anybody will ever hear the Good Samaritan. Stevie turns to his father this is Stevie's story now he says they're gonna lynch this guy they're gonna kill him you can't do that in man whatever okay I've gotten worse since then but he's still sober he's happy as a clam he's been rocking before to much your existence he's incredible he's an incredible guy he's an incredible guy so here's the deal Huh? The, t- the, the only words that are different in the 10th step says continue to take personal inventory and when we're wrong, promptly admit it. Continue to take personal, inv- personal inventory is the inventory is the fourth step. Continue to take the inventory in the fourth step. Fourth step, inventory. the way we did the inventory in the fourth step, which I won't go into. It talks about making amends. It talks about making amends when we're wrong. Promptly admit It, it talks about confession. It talks about the fifth step. That's all the 10th step. The only word that's different in the 10th step. See, I started connecting dots. You got to connect dots. And sometimes the dots aren't apparent. The only word that's different about the 10th step, the operative word is continue. And you know, continued is important because most people, if they come to an A room, they say, I drank, they will say, it's because I didn't. I I stopped talking to my sponsor. I stopped having a sponsor. I stopped going to meetings. I stopped continuing. So you're thinking, if I only could not stop continuing, then I could be okay. But why do alcoholics stop continuing? And I'm afraid to tell you. I'm not afraid to tell you. You know, one of the things that happens to me, it's part of alcoholism. It's part of our disease, by the way, our disease. Because if you are an alcoholic, you have a lot of these old ideas. And one of the old ideas is you want people to like you. Everybody wants people to like you. You don't want people to hate you. you don't want people to walk out and say, you know, I... What's your name? Casey. Casey? So Casey doesn't want people walk out and say, did you see that guy Casey? an asshole. You know what I mean? Casey doesn't want that happening. You know, I like you, Casey. I'm not saying that. I'm just using you as an example. You know what I mean? We don't want that. We want people to say... Man, you see that guy, Casey? Man, he's the greatest guy in the world. You know what I mean? See, you see your life, you feel better about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> see, you went from the thrill of victory to the agony of defeat and back to the, of the thrill of victory again. You know, now you're okay. Casey's a great guy. He's handsome. He's great. He's a nice guy. He's got a good sense of humor. You know, I love Casey, you know, so that's the deal. So that's what we want, right? So since that's what we want, we want the applause of other people, we want the prestige, money, property, romance, prestige. Since we want that, when we're speaking at an A meeting or we're hanging around with A people, we have this choice. Do I tell people what I really think? Or I tell people what they I think they want to hear? Do I tell people what I really think? Or I tell people what they really want to hear. So so sometimes what'll happen is. You know, you got a group of 50, 60, 100,000. Well, it doesn't matter. And this little voice in my head says, oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that shit. You know what I mean? Oh, why did you say that shit? You know, I'm three guys left. You know, don't say that shit. And there's another voice saying, but, but why don't you just tell them the truth? You know what the truth is. You've been living the truth. This is what you've been living. You know what the truth is. At least you know what your truth is. That's what they're paying you the big bucks for. Why don't you just tell them? the truth. They can say, go fuck yourself. They can say whatever they want to say, but at least you'll walk out and say, I told them the truth. And some guy, you know, six years from now say, you know, you saved my life when you said the chicken's on the roof or something like that. You know, you'll have done your job because you told them the truth. But in order to do that, you'd have to have courage, right? And where are you going to get that shit? If you're an alcoholic, (laughs) when you're a coward, you know, when you're basically a coward, you know, you're a whore for the world, world whore. You know what I mean? You'll do anything. You have no integrity. So the deal is this. So so why don't people continue? So I'm going to give you an answer, one of the answers. I'm not sure this is all the answers. This is just one answer I have for you right now. In order to give you the answer, I'm going to go back to the book of Philippians, and Philippians 3. And not because you are to be Christian or Jewish or whatever it is, you know, I'm a Jewish kid from New York, and, you know, and but I'm also a deacon in the Presbyterian Church, so go figure that one out. But uh, that's another story that I won't go into. And this was written 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, wrote 13 books out of the Bible. He was a big deal. And you know how it says principles, people not, what does it say? Person, people not personality, what is it? personality what does the damn thing say <laughs> what what okay this is a print this is a spiritual principle and it's the spiritual principle of the 6th step the one that separates the men from the boys the the men continue the boys don't continue the men continue The men never stop, never stop. The boys always stop. The people who go to AA to not drink, always drink. The people to go to AA so they don't, so they won't drink, always end up drinking or suicidal. We're feeling shitty about themselves. It is certainly personally okay, and I probably did for the first five years, ten years, to 90% of the time go to meetings because you didn't want to drink. I'm sure I did it. I know I did it because I didn't want to drink that day, and I was scared not to go. But if you don't find a different reason to go to AA, you don't find a different reason to go to AA, you're going to be doing what's called hard time in AA. You know, you know I'm a lawyer. I'm a criminal lawyer. I've both prosecuted and defended guys that go away to jail for life imprisonment, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. It means nothing to me. I see it all the time, 10 years, 15 years, you know, going away. There's hard time. You know, you can do 10 years hard time, you know, and you can do 10 years and it rolls off your back. And believe me, there there's hard time there's hard time in AA. There's hard time going to AA, going to AA meetings and just cross out one more day, just one more meeting. <laughs> check, check, check. And not getting better, but not drinking. There's that kind of AA. And then there's going to meetings excited. Just so like just like being rocketed, not being able to wait. One meeting, going to five meetings. I go to four meetings a day. With Zoom, you can go to four meetings a day. I was going to four meetings a day before Zoom. Before Zoom, I'd go to one in the morning. I'd be going to one at 12 o'clock for noon. I'd, I'd go to one at 5.30 on the way home. I went to eight meetings like I went to the bar. You know, I'm just, luck. I'm sitting there with a guy. I'm five, six years sober. We're in Denny's on a Saturday night after an a meeting. He's brand new. You know, I say, hey, how'd you like the meeting? He says, hey, yeah, it was great. What do you do for fun? I didn't have the heart to tell him I was having a great fucking time. You know what I mean? <laughs> what do you mean? This is AA. This is, we're having coffee and Denny's. What do you mean? How much better could it be? Uh, so this is what the Apostle Paul says. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He's talking about himself. Now this guy. Was like like the number one guy in Christendom, you know? I mean, it doesn't have to be Christian. He was like a big deal, you know what I mean? As far as spiritual is concerned, and this is what he said. There's a whole background to him. I'm not going to go into. He went to school. He was like a PhD. He had a lot of shit going for him. This is what he said: "He says, yet my brothers, I do not consider myself to have arrived spiritually. I haven't arrived spiritually. Nor do I consider myself perfect." but I keep going on. I keep going on, grasping ever more firmly that purpose for which God grasped me, picked me. My brothers, I do not consider myself to have fully grasped even now, even now, I'm all over them. He says, but I do concentrate on this. I leave the past behind and with hands outstretched to whatever lies ahead, I go straight for the goal, My reward, the honor of being called by God. The big book says, 12 to 12 in the big book says, it says, God will give you everything you need if you stay close to Him and perform His work well. His work is to help other people. The uh, sixth step says, this is the step that separates the men from the boys. And then they just repeat. But the Apostle Paul said 2,000 years ago. Now, you wouldn't know this if you don't read the Bible. I know it because the 10 years sober, I wanted more. And my sponsor and some people said, why don't you go to Bible study? And I started going to Bible study, reading the Bible, and everything. This book became technical. And then, then I realized where this stuff came from. And this is what it says. This is step that separates the men from the boys. So declares a well-loved clergyman who happens to be one of A's greatest friends. A clergyman. Happens to be one of A's greatest friends, Zed Dowling, Jesuit priest. He goes on to explain that any person, any person capable enough of enough willingness to honestly try to repeat step six on all his faults, become entirely ready to get rid of everything that's standing in the way. You know, the women, the men, the romance, the bullshit, the money, willingness to honestly try to move step six on all his faults without any reservations, whatever, has indeed come a long way spiritually and is therefore entitled to be called a man who is sincerely trying like the Apostle Paul. This is what he said, to grow in the image and likeness of God, to follow God. And all the old timers I know, I think I'm going to count myself in there. And all the sponsors I respect that I know, it wasn't about drinking and not drinking. Sure, they'll tell new guys, hey, just don't drink, go to me, you'll be okay. But for them, it's not about drinking or not drinking. That's a given one. It's about trying to grow in the image and likeness of God and doing God's work. It's about being a missionary for God. It's about God being your new employer. He's the father we're the children. It's about following him. For all the boys in AA, it's it's about, well, don't worry about the God thing. Don't talk so much about God, you'll scare away the newcomers. Don't worry about that. Just do another fourth step. Just do another 12 step. All those people that come in for the eighteen thousand time, this time I'm really going to do the perfect fourth step. That ain't going to fucking help you because that wasn't the problem in the first place. I'm really going to do a, a third step. That, that's not going to help you because you didn't. your problem is, is that you don't want to give it up for God. You want to keep God in the trunk. Be pulled up out only in cases of emergency. Every once in a while, you walk into an A room and you'll hold hands and say the Lord's Prayer. You'll say serenity prayer or something like that and then you put them back in the trunk and you go out, you know, running around trying to manage this world. You'll never get You'll never get there. You know, there comes a point in time where it's not about the drinking anymore. It's about It's about loving God. It's about giving yourself entirely to God because people that believe in God And have a fervent belief in God and a passionate belief in God, and believe that they were saved and put in this planet the way they are right now, not to make them happy or to make money, but so they could help other people. And they're desirous of doing His work. You want to know something? And they're into that Apostle Paul stuff, and they're into that six step stuff. You know something? They don't fucking quit. They don't fucking quit. They don't quit. You can call them religious fanatics, but they don't drink and they're happy. And the rest of people will run around day saying, "Well, maybe if you do a four step or a six step or a twenty step, whatever the hell they're doing, trying to figure out why it's not working for them." It's because every time they go to a meeting and somebody says the word God, they roll their eyes and they walk out the door, stuff like that. Ain't never going to work for them. They ain't never going to lose fear of people and respect, not be insecurity, because their whole life is about what people think about them and how much money they have in the bank and how they can show off and what they can have. Now, listen, you won't hear a talk like this. I'll bet on it anywhere else in AA. You won't hear a talk like this. Well, you probably will. I'd like to, I hate to, I know there are other people that believe like I believe in AA, but, uh, but it ain't going to be uh, prevalent. You know, ain't going to be prevalent, but at least I've done my job. You understand? So, and now you can't say after 10 years or 20 years of you drinking, you can't say, well, nobody ever told me. I never heard. AA just doesn't work. You just got to say, well, there was one guy who said something really crazy. I thought he was a nut. And I didn't do it. I didn't think he was serious. You know, that's what you'll have to. You'll be like one of those guys. Like I, you'll come up to me and you'll say, "You know, I used to hate you, but now I love you." (laughs) But at least I can say to myself, instead of caving in and telling them the stuff I thought they would like to hear, I just told them the truth. You with me? Okay, that's my story. That's it.
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.